Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Let us pray. O Lord, we praise you that you have created us for freedom in your creation, that you have recreated us for freedom under your gospel, that you enable us to keep your law in freedom and love. We confess we often neglect our rights, we often abuse our privileges, we often avoid our obligations. Keep us from selfishness that stifles freedom, from narrow-mindedness that limits freedom, from hatred that destroys freedom. Enable people everywhere to live under free government, to hear of the freedom of your gospel, to know true freedom in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we ask it. Amen. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text chosen for our sermon today is the epistle reading for this day has to do with the subject of liberation and freedom, an event that we are going to be celebrating here in our nation this next weekend. We read those words as follows in Jesus' honor. I consider our present sufferings to be unimportant when I compare them with the glory soon to be revealed to us. For the created world is waiting on tiptoe to see the unveiling of God's children. For this created world must waste away, not because it wants to, but because its master would have it so. But it does so with hope, because this created world also will be freed from the slavery of decay in order to share the freedom of glory with the children of God. For we know that all creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth until now. And what is more, also we who have the Spirit as our first taste of heaven groan inwardly as we look forward to being adopted as his children. Then our body will be set free. These are thy words, Holy Father. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. In the name of our Savior, dear fellow redeemed, Everywhere in our country next weekend, people will be celebrating the freedom 
and the liberty which is theirs as citizens of the United States of America. The Bible tells us that good government is a gift of God. And in spite of all of its faults, our country and our government are truly blessings of God for which all of us should be grateful. And so on this 4th of July weekend coming up, we ought to be reminded that Christians are to pray for their government and to seek its welfare, that we are to be thankful for the freedom and the liberty which is ours in this free land. But the last few decades have taught us that our American liberties are not an unmixed blessing. When freedom of speech makes it possible for evil men to flood the country with obscene pornography, when so-called constitutional guarantees can be used to free admittedly guilty men from punishment, when the courts of the land often seem more concerned with the rights of criminals than with the protection of victims of crime, we are reminded of the admonition which St. Peter addressed to Corinthians, or to Christians, almost 2,000 years ago, when he told them that they were not to use their liberty as a cloak for maliciousness. What we have learned from our experiences in America in the last few decades is that even such a high treasure as liberty and freedom can be spoiled. It often has been spoiled by human sin and depravity. Not even the best system of government in the world can avoid the curse which rests on the whole human race and on our whole world because of the fall into sin. The gospel offers us a type of freedom which is far greater and far more glorious than that which is symbolized by the stars and stripes and which is spoken of in the Declaration of Independence. The freedom offered in the gospel is not spoiled by sin, just because it is freedom from sin. This freedom to which the gospel calls us has many aspects one of which is described in our text. Our text speaks of the final freedom from all the consequences of sin which will be ours when this present world comes to its end in the last judgment. It is the freedom which the hymn writer describes when he wrote. Thus God shall from all evil forever make us free from sin and from the devil, from all adversity, 
from sickness, pain, and sadness, from troubles, cares, and fears, and grant us heavenly gladness and wipe away our tears. In this freedom, according to our text, the whole created world will have a share. And so on the basis of this text, and under the gracious guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will meditate this morning on the liberation of all creation. And we will speak of the liberation of God's people and of the liberation of the created world. Sooner or later, there comes to every man, woman, and child in this world what St. Paul calls in our text, our present sufferings. When we learn by bitter experience how right Job was when he said that man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. While it is true that this world and this life are great gifts of God, and while we find much joy in them, yet even the best days that we have in this world are so easily spoiled by the thought that it cannot last, that it must all end in suffering and death, that all of man's life is just one long march to the grave. This realization itself must, must often cause us to groan inwardly, as St. Paul says in our text. It won't be necessary to point out specific examples of the sufferings of this present time, for each one of you can supply his or, own, his or her own list, whether it be sickness or pain, family problems, worry about a son or a daughter, difficulties between husband and wife, financial worries, the weakness of old age, the indecisions of youth, or a thousand other things. Before our children have grown old enough to understand the words of our text, they already have some idea of what St. Paul's talking about when he speaks of our present sufferings. But for the children of God, all this will be replaced by what St. Paul calls the glory soon to be revealed to us. He says, I consider our present sufferings to be unimportant when I compare them with the glory soon to be revealed to us. The word which is translated, I consider, or I reckon in the King James Version, is a word which is taken from the field of accounting. If the Christian's life is compared to an account book, in which the glory will be, which will be ours is listed on one side of the page, St. Paul says that our present sufferings are not even worth listing on the other side of the page. These sufferings, 
that often seem so heavy and so burdensome to us are nothing but petty cash in the account book of the Christian life. St. Paul describes this glory that will soon be revealed to us in another way when he speaks of it as the unveiling of God's children. He speaks of Judgment Day as the day when God's children will be unveiled. That is, when they will begin to look like God's children. If you would see a person who drives a beat-up and rusted old second-hand car, who lives in a tar paper shack and is dressed in rags, and someone would tell you that this person is the beloved child of a millionaire, you would find that hard to believe. He does not look like the child of a millionaire. In our present sufferings, the children of God don't look much like children of God. And sometimes we don't feel much like children of God either. I remember a pious old Christian lady who was dying of cancer saying, the Lord doesn't love me anymore. She did not feel much like a child of God in her suffering. But the day is coming when God's children will look like God's children, and they will feel like God's children. St. John spoke of this same hope when he wrote, Dear friends, we are now God's children, but it has not yet been shown what we are going to be. We know that when it will be shown, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. In the last verse of our text, St. Paul speaks of this freedom from our present sufferings as the time when our body will be set free. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, to save our souls from hell, and to free our consciences from the guilt of sin, to give us the assurance that God loves us and that our sins are all truly forgiven, he also made it certain that someday our bodies would be set free from all the consequences of sin, from all of our present sufferings. St. John describes this setting the body free when he says that then God will wipe away all tears from our eyes and there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither will there be any more pain. In our text, St. Paul calls this the freedom of glory with the children of God. Only those who have this hope in Christ know the real meaning of words like 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But this glorious liberty belongs not only to the children of God. We know, of course, that those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior will have no part of this freedom from the consequences of sin. For, as Scripture tells us, there is no other salvation for us except that which is offered and given in Jesus Christ. But, for the created world that we see around us, there is hope. For this created world will also share in this liberty, which will belong forever to the children of God. St. Paul writes in our text, For the created world is waiting on tiptoe to see the unveiling of God's children. For this created world must waste away, not because it wants to, but because its master would have it so. But it does so with hope, because this created world also will be freed from the slavery of decay in order to share the freedom of glory with the children of God. For we know that all creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth until now. When Paul says that this created world must waste away, he is speaking of the time in the beginning when God pronounced a curse on the world because of Adam's sin and said that it would produce thorns and thistles to make people miserable and to make it difficult for them even to win their daily bread from the earth the earth which was created to bring only blessing to them. Through that curse, the created world came into the slavery of decay. Everything in this world finally decays and wears out. That seems normal to us because it's the only kind of a world that we know. But it is not the kind of world that God created in the beginning. And it is not the kind of world that it will be. For St. Paul says that God subjected the world to the slavery of decay and to waste away with hope. That is, the situation of the world in this slavery of decay is not a hopeless one. For instance, when he speaks of the pain that the created world must suffer now, he uses a word that is used about the pains of childbirth. It is painful, but it is a pain that will end in great joy. For, as the apostle says, this created world also will be freed from the slavery of decay in order to share the freedom of glory with the children of God. Just exactly 
what form this liberty will take, we do not know. But we can be sure that it will be something wonderful. For St. Paul says that the created world is waiting on tiptoe to see the unveiling of God's children. That is, it is waiting with earnest expectation. Earnest expectation is the kind of expectation that you see when people are standing on the sidewalk waiting for a parade to come by. The word in the original Greek means to wait for something with your neck stretched out as far as you can stretch it. The New Evangelical Translation has, has caught the flavor of this word when it says that the created world is waiting on tiptoe to see the unveiling of God's children. And we ought to be waiting for it too. Waiting for it on tiptoe. For it is going to be far more wonderful than any circus parade and it is going to last forever. God grant it to us all. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.